we had a video. We're having a few minutes of technical difficulty, so I will go ahead and introduce the topic for tonight while they're getting the video prepared. Um, and then I'll step down and let that video play because this is a song that I, I love and I really want to intro into tonight's message. But we are starting a new sermon series. It is November, as you said. And so tonight, we're starting a new sermon series called No More November. No More November. And that is a complete phrase, no more. And then November, that's the month. So throughout our travels around the world and different things and around our, throughout our life, we've heard different phrases in different countries and they have the same emphatic statements. And the words no more have the same emphatic accents, if you will, in every language. And we remember distinctly, and we tell the story quite a bit, one time when we were in Honduras and we were at a market and we were shopping, and one of our teammates that was with us on this trip was talking to a person trying to purchase an item, and they were really going back and forth with our teammate, and finally he just said, no mas, no mas. And we knew that what that was saying, no more. We were walking through the airport just the other day. We just got back from visiting our son Dallas, which is a wonderful trip. He's doing very well. And we were walking through the airport, and I heard a father with his child saying, no mas. Yeah, that child was obviously getting on his dad's nerves, okay? And that father was saying, no more, no more. And I, being a mother of two boys that are now 24, we just turned 24 recently, and 21, have definitely spoken the words, no more. <laughs> no more. And so it has the same emphatic accent, no matter what language we're speaking it in. I looked it up in French. You don't want me to try to be French. <laughs> I looked it up in Italian. It was worse. But either way, as I listened to the people that are the experts speaking those languages, they had the same emphatic tone. No more. No more. In their language. And so I thought about that, and I, I hearing that dad in the airport the other day really got my memory jogged from when we were in Honduras. and. And just the different times as a parent, different times in our lives where we hear the words, no more. And so that's our sentences. No more. And I was like, speak to me, Lord, because I'm feeling something. I sense something, and I'm on the airplane, and he's speaking to me. And honestly, this was last Monday. And um, here we are moving into November, but the Lord was really sharing with me in my heart that throughout Scripture, there are no mores. As a matter of fact, there are over 1,050 commands in the New Testament alone for Christians to obey. So this series will end in 2026. Just kidding. But as they broke them down, those 1,050 commands in the New Testament, because of repetition, they were able to separate them into only 800 headings. We won't do all 800. They don't all say, no more. Some of them say, be ye this, or be ye not, or don't, or do, or no more. So we see it in repetition in different ways, telling us to, what to do and what not to do. All of these for the betterment of mankind. All of these for the betterment of mankind in their relationship with God and in their relationship with others. Isn't God so gracious to give us instructions on how to have a better relationship with him and better relationship with others? How kind. So often we look at the Bible as a book of rules, but let me tell you something. He is so kind to give us almost 800 different ways to better our relationship with him and other people. That's so kind of him. Please don't see the Bible as a list of don'ts and do's. See it as an opportunity to grow in relationship with God and in relationship with one another. Marriage, parenting, friendship, ministry, <coughs> roommates. So kind God is to give us all of that information on how 
to be better relationally with him and with one another. Isn't it interesting how if you just change your perspective, it can change everything. I receive your word, Lord, and it does not offend me. It helps me. Well, the no more November that we're talking about tonight is worry. I heard the groans. I have them too. Don't worry. I mean, I don't, literally, don't worry. <laughs> Please. I have them too. I have them too. The strangest thing is, like, I evidently um, gained some strange phobia with um, flying. And I've flown all over the world for many, many, many years. And this is kind of horrible, but um, when shutdown was happening, the Wednesday that they found out that the NBA player had COVID in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, I was flying from Oklahoma City to Sarasota with my son on one side and his roommate on the other side of me. I was pretty secure. They're both like 6'4 and 6'9. I'm golden. But up in an airplane, you know, how many ever thousands of feet, they can't help me up there. Well, we were fine, everything was fine. But we hit a terrible, terrible storm. And they could not get around it, they could not get over it. They literally had to go through it. And I've been in a lot of planes, I've, tra I've traveled to India, I've traveled overseas many times, I've had turbulence. This was not turbulence. This was a straight up battle. <laughs> and our pilots were greatly praised when we landed because it was an hour and 15 minutes of fear. I mean, women were screaming and people were praying out loud and children were crying. And of course my son and his friend are watching a movie and dying laughing. I'm like, does anyone know if I'm dying? No, okay. And so um, I'm having a worship session. I throw up, you know, some tunes in my ears, and I've got both hands in the air without realizing it, singing out loud. My son had to get my attention. But I was doing anything I could to move my mind to a place of trusting God and knowing that no matter what happens here, we're going to be okay. But the thing is, is that at the same time we're in this storm, the world is changing, and we're all getting noise and information, and it's uncertain. And evidently, all of that happening at once, I didn't realize it, but it settled into me as a little bit of trauma, if you will. And so the next time I went to fly after that, which was actually some time ago, I think last fall actually, I recognized, I'm afraid. And I didn't even realize it was in there. And that fear sparked a worry in me that we might not make it, that I might not make it. Because worry is rooted in fear. But I wanna play this song for you, this video, if you will, just for a few minutes, and then I'll jump back up and finish my message.
The root to worry is fear. Some of you might say, I'm not really fearful, but I tend to worry. That's a misguided thought. Because the root of worry is fear. I once also heard that worry is kind of like sitting in a rocking chair. You might be moving, but you're not going anywhere. Anybody spend a lot of time in a rocking chair? It's idle time. And there's a lot in the Word of God that talks about worry. And I'm not going to address every scripture. But it's idle thinking. It's spinning wheels. And your worry is a choice. We choose what to think on. Now, I understand that sometimes thoughts pop into our head that we're like, I did not choose that. But listen, we choose what to think on. We choose what to do with those thoughts. A lot of times what happens is that fear response comes up in us. And then we have a choice. And if we could get better at recognizing that fear response, that voice of fear, and not choose to move it into worry, but choose to move it into trust. I love the line in there. It says, I hear you singing over me. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. If we have that fear response, if we can learn to capture that and then choose to tune in to the voice of God, I think we're going to hear him say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Matthew 6, 33 through 34, well-known passage of scripture. And I'm going to have, I'm going to read it from the CSB and then I've got um, verse 34 alone in a different text here in just a second. Let me read this for you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Seek first. The beginning of that, you see that seek to seek is an action. That is a choice. We get to choose what we seek. We get to choose what we think on. What I begin to think, I begin to seek. Are you with me, church? And this is telling us to seek first. When I wake up in the morning, place my mind on the kingdom of God. Go there first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things. And it had just given a list of not, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about these things. I got you. I got the birds. I got the sparrows. They don't have storehouses. I got you. Seek first my kingdom, he says. And this is Jesus saying this in the middle of Sermon on the Mount. This, this very well-known message that he's giving to his disciples in a large crowd. Helping them, guiding them to the new law of love. Guiding them to a law of love, a lifestyle that matches and moves towards the new law of love. This is Jesus saying this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Place your mind there first thing in the morning. If that is the only thing you can get tonight to combat some worry in your life, it's not going to take all your worries away. It's not going to change that sometimes we get worried. But if we can set our mind to the kingdom of God and his righteousness first thing in the morning, then we got that going. Are you with me? I mean, I don't know. Is anybody else looking for a good way to start the day? Here it is. And it says, all these things will be provided for you. But listen to this version. I believe I, I, I have it on a slide here. And this is Matthew 6, 34 from the message. Translation. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Don't you love that? Give your entire attention to what God is doing right here, right now. And don't get worked up. On to say, God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up. When the time comes, there's a devotional out right now by Louis Giglio. If you are looking for
for a devotional on worry. It's a seven-day devotional. You might want to write this down. It's called um, Winning the War on Worry. You can download that. You can Google that and download that on your smartphone, on your computer, and it's going to be a great tool for you. Winning the War on Worry. If you find yourself to be a worrier, not fearful, right? Just kidding. If you find yourself to be a warrior, download this devotional. It is going to be so good for you, and you're going to love this for seven days. But this is saying, God will help you deal with whatever hard things. And in that devotional, the very first day, this is one of the things he said. Did you know that potentially 80 to 90% of the things we worry about never happen? Or never happen the way we thought they would? Y'all, that's a lot of idle thinking. 80 to 90% of the things that we're in the rocking chair about get nowhere, never happen, or they never happen the way we thought they would. That is a lot of spinning wheels. That is a lot of idle thinking. That is a lot of getting nowhere. And we decide what thoughts we entertain. Worrisome thoughts creep up, and they creep up in the tiniest pinhole. I know you're here with me, in the tiniest little pinhole of fear. How does the enemy just know? Well, he knows. And he can find the tiniest pinhole of fear, and worry creeps up, and it sounds and starts with something that sounds like this. What if... Fill in the blank. Right? But what if the enemy loves the what if questions in our minds? The worrisome what ifs are rooted in fear and designed for doubt. Let me say that again. The worrisome what-ifs are rooted in fear and designed for doubt. You see, those worrisome what-ifs, they become a vehicle that take us from that fear response to a moment, a thought, a place of doubt. If fear can become worry, then it can probably stop us. And if worry becomes doubt, it does stop us. I remember a conversation with someone a couple years back, and, and she was trying to decide whether or not to homeschool. And she was like, but what if? And she said, oh, what if? And I was listening to her, and I could hear a lot of her concern, and her concerns were fair. And we had a great conversation. And after that conversation, she decided that even if, even if this fear, I know that the Lord is leading me to do this in this season. And I just want to say, girlfriend, you're rocking. You're doing it. You did it, and you're doing it. And I'm proud of you. She didn't let that fear, that concern, that was moving into worry at times, she didn't let it turn into doubt that she could do it, that this was God calling her, that this was God leading her. And she stepped, even in the midst of the what if, when she turned it to even if. What a great tool. But we need to say, no more. No mas. Say no more. No more. Did you mean it? Let's try it again. No more. No more. And sometimes you gotta get that finger out there. Let's try that. No more. No more. Yeah, good parents of kids. You, I know you have a finger. I know you got that finger. No more. We need to say no more to worry. But how? So one of the first ways that I feel like the Lord is impressed on me to share with you tonight to come against worry is to make sure that you are his. That won't stop worry from happening, but listen to me. If we are his, when worry strikes, we can come back to the voice of truth. When I am his, and we're like peas and carrots, which I don't even like. For like French fries and really good ranch. 
come back to his voice. When he's singing over me, you're mine. I got you. I see you. I hear you. I'm with you. You see, when I am his, it's not going to necessarily stop worry from trying to creep in. It's not like I'm all of a sudden never going to be tempted to worry again. But I get to come back to the voice of truth at all times. But if we're just out here living for ourselves, saying things like, no worries, while, listen, I've done this, but no worries while holding up a peace sign and posing for Instagram while worried sick that no one's going to like my post. There's some social media people out there going, that is so true. No worries. I really hope people agree. I really hope. What if no one sees our clothes? What if? But when my identity is not based on what you think of my Instagram post or what you think of anything I do, but more so when my identity is based on what he says of me, who he says I am, then when I get worried, I can come back to the voice of truth. I can move my mind, just like worry is a choice. I can move my mind to his truth, to his voice, to what he says about me in the scriptures. I can move my mind to him. It tells us in Isaiah 49, 15 through 16, we have an image here. I will not forget you. I have carved you on the palm of my hand. When I am his, just leave that up there. When I am his, when that fear response comes in and I accidentally move it into fear, into worry, and I allow that, and I kind of entertain and the what ifs start happening, and I start wondering what if this, what if that, and then all of a sudden I can move my mind back to him and remember, he has not forgotten me. I might be in this slump, and I might even feel attacked, and I might feel abandoned, and I might feel rejected, and I might feel filled with blank of things that we can worry about. I might feel that I've been forgotten. I might feel that this season is not fair. I might feel like this is dark and hard. But I can remember when I am his, that as his child, he promises that he will not forget me. That he has carved my name on the palm of his hand. That good song that we try to listen to to give us some less stress in our life. That good fun song with the sunroof back that makes me feel good on a Tuesday afternoon. That doesn't last at 3 a.m. in the morning. But the voice of truth at 3 a.m. in the morning can really bring peace into your room, into your home, into your soul. I love a good song with the sun with back. Nobody better than on a sunny day like me. But that sunny day next Tuesday at work with a difficult coworker isn't doing much good. But when I am his next Tuesday at work with a difficult coworker, I can hear his voice of truth guiding me, leading me, beckoning me, calling me his own. Reminding me who I am. One of the ways we can calm against fear is to be his. Not because it stops worry. But because we have a voice to turn to. Because the voice of fear, the voice of worry that moves us to the voice of doubt can get really loud, y'all. Another way that we can move and calm against worry is to worship. And I'm not just talking about that song we just played necessarily, even though we're going to go there in a second. I am talking about knowing who he is. Speaking it. Saying it. Saying it. Whispering it. Yelling it. Playing it. Writing it. Glorifying who he is, glorifying his name. I'm in a theology class right now, by the way. I'm taking a Wesley theology class. And one of the people in the class last week said, the Lord spoke to me last summer and said, you're glamorizing me, not glorifying me. Love you. Not good? I want 
want to worship him. I want to glorify him. I don't want to be like, me and God, you know, he's so good and he's just always good and I'm just glamorizing him. Like, go with God, everything will be okay. No, I want to worship him. I want to know that even when it's dark and it's hard, he hasn't forgotten me. Because it gets dark and hard. Even when you're his. I'm not going to promise you that if you're his, there's not going to be worry, there's not going to be issues, there's not going to be dark and hard. But when it is, I can remember who he is. I can glorify him still the same. And that is worship, friends. When I know who he is and I speak it. When I know who he is and I sing it. When I know who he is and I write it. When I know who he is and I raise the volume on it. That is worship. I have a, a, a sign here. I mean, I like my worship music at a volume where I can't hear the enemy. If you need to walk around your house and turn up the worship of your mouth so the enemy knows who belongs here, so that he, the enemy, so that the enemy knows that this house does not belong to worry. This house does not belong to fear. This house does not belong to doubt. This house belongs to a Lord that we glorify, that we magnify, that who has raised the dead and has healed the sick and is delivering me right now from this bondage in my home. If you need to walk around your house and speak the name of Jesus at a volume where you can't hear the enemy, then do it. Have you ever seen War Room? It's a movie. It's a good one. She starts walking around her house and telling the enemy, you don't belong here. This is the Lord's house. But first, y'all, we need to say, enemy, you don't belong here. You don't belong here. This is the Lord's house. This is a temple of God. My mind is on him. And my mind is made up. I am his. And his mind is made up that he has not forgotten about me. That my name is written on the palm of his hand and that I am his also. It is time to turn up the worship music of your soul so that you can't hear the enemy. Yeah, there's going to be a fear response. And yeah, there's going to be temptation to worry. And then turn up the volume. You see, because worry is a choice. But so is your volume level. One of the ways that you can combat worry is to worship. Worship the Lord. Another way you can combat worry is to make sure that your decisions are rooted in obedience. Otherwise, we're just choosing our direction based on a good idea of the moment, and we have no compass to guide us when it becomes really, really weird. And it's really easy to slip into worry when it gets weird. But if our decisions that we're making are rooted in obedience, then like I said before, we can come back to his voice when it told us to go that direction. We can come back to the moment where he said, this is me, walk in it. I know it's weird. And I know you can't see where you're gonna end up. But this is me. can listen to a little dialogue that could have happened. God's calling us to resurrect the church of God in Sarasota. That's scary. What if no one comes? What if we can't reach new people? That would be really awful. We would leave our salaries and our jobs and our benefits and our securities and, and then no one comes, we should probably rethink this. Right? It could have sounded a lot like that. Because you know what? Some of those thoughts are actually really logical. 
fair. But they're based in fear and worry, and they would move us to doubt. Thank the Lord. I have a good teammate. And we decided instead to sit with God and mull it over with Him. Since He's the one who birthed the big idea to begin with. And you know what He said? This is me. It doesn't have to make sense. No one else has to get it. No one else has to go with you or understand or agree. This is me. Now go do it. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you what, it gave us great courage to know that no matter what happened, that it was him and that he would be with us and that he was the author of this endeavor. You see, it wasn't like we never had worry creep up. We just knew where to place it. It's not that we're never tempted to worry. We just know this isn't us. This isn't ours. This is him. This is his. And we know where to place it. Because worry can be a choice. And so can trust. And so when we root our decisions in obedience, we can come back to the author's voice and we can remember that he said, this is me, now go do it. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to make sense. You're not going to be able to see the end result, so don't even ask. That's not the way it works. <laughs> but I got you. This is me. And when you're tempted to worry, remember, I got you. This is me, but you've got to stay with me. It doesn't mean that we won't worry if we make sure our choices are rooted in obedience. It just means that when worry comes, we can move it to the author of the journey. Make sure your decisions are rooted in obedience. We can trust him, listen, unshakably. I love this version. Again, translation, the message. It has me tonight for some reason. John 16, 33. This is Jesus. I have told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. But take heart. I've conquered the world. Look at that. I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured. Now, if there are not two words that we need when worry tries to creep in, better than that, unshakable and assured. And then he adds to it, and deeply at peace. Come on now. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that when worry sets in, when we have set our feet on a path that's rooted in obedience by the Father, that we can stay on that path unshakable and assured and deeply at peace. It doesn't mean we won't have questions. It doesn't mean it won't get weird. It doesn't mean we won't be tempted to worry, but we can come back to trust unshakably. I'm thankful for that word tonight, y'all. We can trust him unshakably. So tonight we've kind of talked about worry, but here's the thing, what to do when terrible things really are happening. How do I not worry? Because 80 to 90 percent won't happen, but maybe that means that 10 to 20 percent will. And I know that some of you in here were already thinking that math. You're like, yeah, but 10 to 20 percent happens. So the Lord hears you, He sees you. 
So what happens when something really terrible does happen, is happening? Well, here's a couple of ways to come against worry. When it really is hard, when it really is dark, Bible's clear. Philippians 4, 6, pray, pray, pray. That is not some fancy answer from a pastor on the stage. I don't know about you, but there have been prayers, I've told you this, that have been face down posture, where I am face on the ground and tears are flooding off my face and I can't even say words. So when you hear pray, 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 I don't want you to be like, that's what I'm saying, I'm looking like this. I'm talking like, get on your face or get on your knees or kneel beside your bed. Take the posture that says, I'm desperate for your presence. I'm desperate for your strength. I'm desperate for your help. I'm desperate for your deliverance. I'm not talking about let's sit around the table like we do at dinner time and hold hands and say thank you for the food prayers while those are important and needed. I'm talking about when it gets dark, when it gets hard, when terrible things really do happen, you find a posture that says I need you now. Pray, pray, pray. And listen to me. The times where I have been on my face in my closet without words have been the times I have felt the most comforted by him. You don't have to come up with a pretty prayer. There was one night that was really dark and really hard in our family, and I was like saying all the right things. And then I just got tired of it. And I said, God, no more pretty prayers. We need you to hear us. We need you. We need to feel you. We need to sense you. We need to see you. We need you in this right now. We will not move our minds to worry and fear. We will keep our minds on you, but we need you. We need you here in this home. We need you here in our hearts. We need you, Lord. We will not take the bait of fear. We will not take the bait of attack. We will not let it have this home. We will not let it have these hearts. But we need you to show up and show us that you're here. It was not pretty. There was mascara everywhere. There was snot all over my carpet. But we sat there, myself, our son, and my husband. And we experienced some strength to get up off the floor that night. I'm not talking about pray, pray, pray. I'm talking about desperate prayers. No one knows dark and hard like Jesus himself. On the cross, spoke to his father. And you know what? Worry creeped in. There came a point where he said, why have you forsaken me? It got scary on the cross. It hurt. It was hard. And in a moment of all that he is of his humanity, he cried out, why have you forsaken me? And we get to see some of his humanity right there. But listen, all of his divinity, right after that, he says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. You see, on the cross, Jesus modeled for us how to move our minds to trusting him. On the cross, Jesus modeled for us how to speak to the Father exactly where you are. And then he said, and now I trust you. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Jesus on the cross modeled how to combat worry. I hope you see that tonight. He spoke to his father. That's the kind of prayer I'm talking about. A prayer where you're just speaking to the father. And he's there, remember? 
He hasn't forgotten you. One of the things I've prayed before, because the truth is, is that sometimes my prayers, those desperate prayers, are what they are. And you've been there, some of you, you know what those are. But there are times and situations when it's really hard and when it's really weird that I have had to ask God not to move the situation, but to move me in it. Because the situation isn't moving. Because I can't control other people. Anyone? Can I get a witness? I can't control anybody else. And so the situation isn't changing. And I've had to ask God to help me, to move me, to change me. And so this is some of the things I've prayed and I've written down. Lord, help me move from fear to peace, from worry to worship, from doubt to faith in this one, from me and my circumstances to you and your promises. Lord, help me move from fear to peace, from worry to worship, from doubt to faith, from me and my circumstances to you and your promises. Leave that up for a second. And there was a time when I was walking my pool, praying something, and I tend to pace when I'm needing to re repeat something. And so, for instance, Lord, help me move from fear to peace. And I would focus on that. And then the next time around the pool, I'd say the whole prayer. From doubt to faith. And the next time around the pool, from worry to worship. And I would take those laps. And that time I would emphasize my fear to peace. The next time my worry to worship. The next time doubt to faith. Get up out of your chair if you have to. Get up off the floor if you have to. And pace the floor and speak it out loud. Lord, help me move from fear to peace. Help me move. Because Lord, I see they're not moving. They're not looking to you to move. I can't control them. I can't change it. But Lord, you can change me in it. And when he begins to work on me, fear doesn't have a hold on me. And when I move my mind to him, he moves my mind to his promises. And then, after you've prayed, after you've lapped the pool, after you've focused on worship and faith and circumstances and you're still in the battle and you can feel it, what else? Well, remember what he's already done. Because I'm looking at a room full of people that are still here. You're still on the planet. You were able to get up and get dressed and get here tonight. You're here. He's still working on you. He's still working in you. So when prayer and pacing the pool and memorizing a prayer and asking him to move you still doesn't work, remember what he's already done. The endurance he gave through the dark nights of the past. The strength he provided during the hard seasons of discouragement. The wisdom he brought on the mountains of pain and suffering. The comfort he offered during days of grief. The solutions he gave in the face of a major problem. The promises he kept when everything else fell apart. You see, when you start remembering what he's already done, we have moved our mind from worry to worship. And then thank him for it. Thank you, Lord, for the endurance that you gave through the dark nights of the past. Thank you, Lord, for the strength you provided during the hard seasons of discouragement. 
Thank you, Lord, for the wisdom you brought on the mountains of pain and suffering. Thank you, Lord, for the comfort you offered during days of grief. Thank you, Lord, for the solutions you gave in the face of that major problem. Thank you, Lord, for the promises that you keep when everything else seems to fall apart. Thank you, Lord. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the endurance that you gave back here, you can give again. And the comfort that you gave back here, you can give again. You see, when we remember what he's already done, it moves us to believing he can do it again. Remember that? Believe for it. He has brought you this far. And he will lead you with love to your last breath if you will let him.
Worry has become so normal in our society. But it is time to say, no more! No mas! To worry. It's changing our brain. I want my brain to be changed towards trust. If you choose something 63 days in a row, that's a lot of days, y'all, but you've been worrying for a lot more, and that was a choice too. If you will start today and decide for the next 63 days, I will move my mind. I might not do it perfectly, but I will move my mind to one of these things. Listen to me, 63 days in a row, 63 times in a row, you create new neural pathways in your brain. That's why it's so natural to move to worry. Because we've done it so much, so often. We just go there. I want to create a new pathway. And I want it to be labeled, he's got me. I worship you. I see what you did back there. And you're going to do it again. And even if you don't do it like that, you got me. And I worship you. I don't know what's going to come my way. But through it all, I want to learn to trust in you. Reflect on the words of this song, and I'll come back up and move us into response when they're finished. Through it all. 
because it has the same emphatic accent to worry. No mas. I move my mind to a God who said, he's got me and he won't forget me. I move my mind to worship and I remember all that he's done and I pray I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart. I've conquered the world. Tonight, as we respond together, that light of the world, that conquered the world. We've placed some candles over here and we ask that you come and you light a candle and it represents, I need the light of the world in this circumstance, in this situation, in this spirit. Remember the first thing we talked about? Enemy, you're not welcome here. I turn up the volume here first. Where do you need the light of the world? In your heart? In your home, in a circumstance, light as many candles as you need to light. Or maybe you have a prayer request card on your chair, and you've been carrying a burden for a long time for a family member, for a situation, and you need some intercessors. You need some people to carry this with you. Help me. It's weighing me down. Write that burden on that prayer request card. Bring it up and drop it in the basket. Or maybe... You just want to visit the cross. And you're thankful for the model that in his darkest, deepest despair, he was honest. This is hard. But Father, I commit my life and my spirit into your hands. Maybe you just need to kneel at the foot of the cross tonight. Or maybe you just want to spend some time with the Lord. You can kneel on the steps. But as they start this next song, move about the room in response and turn your minds from worry to the one who's got you. Let me pray. Lord, we hear you tonight. We see you tonight. And we feel you tonight. I want to go back to what I said again. Thank you for your gracious goodness in giving us over 800 different clear instructions on how to have better relationship with you and others. And thank you that in those instructions, you have called us to not worry. And thank you that in those instructions, you have called us to trust you and to seek you, and to worship you, and to remember all that you've done. When it gets really hard, and when it gets really dark, and when it gets really weird, that we can trust you unshakably. We thank you, Father, that you are speaking tonight. We thank you, Lord, that your son modeled for us how to move our mind to a place of trust. Help us to do that, not just tonight, but as we go about this week. Take captive the fearful, worrisome what-ifs that are trying to get us to doubt and quit. Help us to move our minds to confidence and trust and obedience. Lord, we just want to worship you. We want to know you. We want to experience you. You are here, and we need you. Meet us in this time of response. In Jesus' name we pray.